0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. We're going to start right where we left off last week in verse 24. In this section of Matthew, we're learning about Jesus' parables of the kingdom. Jesus has begun utilizing parables, riddles, colorful and enigmatic stories in his teaching, and this chapter is chock full of them, and they're all about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told his disciples that he was using parables so much because they were the perfect kind of stories to both reveal his kingdom to those who trust and follow him, and also to conceal his kingdom from those who do not want it. For those who want the kingdom, they get the parables, they get it, and they get the kingdom. But for those who reject the kingdom, they don't get it. They don't get the parables, and they certainly don't get the kingdom. In fact, Jesus told a parable to teach that very thing. It was the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soils, which teaches that there are basically two kinds of people. Those who don't get it, who don't receive the kingdom for various reasons. Jesus gave three And those who do get it, those who do receive the kingdom by receiving the king, those produce an abundant harvest, so much more than what you might expect. Remember that from last week? Well, in verse 24, Jesus tells another parable that involves sowing seed. But this one's a little different. Because it doesn't just have one kind of good seed. It has two kinds of seed and one of them's bad. In fact, there's just one kind of soil in this parable, one field, but there are two kinds of seed in this story. And then in verses 31 and 32, Jesus tells another parable, also involving a seed. And then in verse 33, he tells yet another parable, no seed in that one, but it's it's like the the one in verses 31 and 32. And then in verses 34 and 35, Jesus It tells us just how much Jesus taught in parables at this point in his ministry and how that was the fulfillment of Psalm 78, verse 2. And then later in verses 36 through 43, Jesus gives the interpretation of the first parable, the one with the two different kind of plants in it. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. I've given you a little map, verses 24 through 43. And we're going to see how this relates to Christmas, what we've just been singing about and how these parables relate to our lives today. So let's read the first parable and then pray together and then talk about what we see presented here in these stories. Matthew 13, verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them all up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Would you pray with me? Lord, what we've just sung is just ringing through our ears and in our hearts is the Christmas story. And it's not just a story, it is the story. It is history. And it changes everything. Help us, Lord, to understand how these parables relate to that story and how these parables should shape our lives today on December sixteenth, two 2018. Would you work at us, Lord, that which is pleasing in your sight? We pray it in the name of the one of whom we've sung, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the babe born in Bethlehem, the Christ, Jesus, amen. Now again, like last week, pretend that you've never heard this parable before. Pretend that you're hearing this story for the first time, and you have never heard the interpretation of verses 36 through 43. Put yourselves in the shoes of the first listeners. What might you make of this parable without any interpretive key? Well, you would notice that Jesus begins by saying, verse 24, the kingdom of heaven is like this. He's going to say that a whole bunch of times in Matthew 13 and again in the rest of the book. He doesn't mean that the kingdom of heaven is like a man. When he says the kingdom of heaven is like a man, he means that the kingdom of heaven is like this story, right? This situation, this it's like what is taught from the end of like to the end of the story. And you would notice the end of the, you would notice the story itself. Listen again, verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. That's what every farmer tries to do. Amen, Matt? Amen. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Now, who does that? Matt, have you ever had this one done to you? Apparently, this is a rival farmer. And it's what we might call an act of bioterrorism. If I can ruin your field, what's that going to do to the value of my crops? Right? Ruin your field, my field all of a sudden becomes more valuable. There was a Roman law against this very practice. If caught, the Romans would have dealt with him. The weeds that he planted were probably what is called darnel, which is actually a poisonous plant. It looks like wheat when it's young, but it's more obvious when it's grown to maturity. The old English word for this was tares, right? You might have heard of this as the parable of the wheat and the tares. And if you've heard of that, you might have also heard a preacher say this is a terrible parable. Yeah. I wouldn't ever say that, but you might have heard somebody do it. So we might call this the parable of the wheat And the weeds. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Here's what happens next, verse 26. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. It became obvious that they were there. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? That's a very important part of this story. I think that verse, in fact, is the key. These questions are the key to understanding what's going on in this parable. An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Which makes a lot of sense. Right? I mean, he might lose everything if he let these weeds take root. If they get harvested together, the wheat crop is going to be ruined. We must wipe them out now. He says, no, because while you are pulling the weeds, you might root up the wheat with them. I've got another plan, he says. Let both grow up together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them up in bundles, use them for firewood. There's not a lot of wood around here. We'll tie up the bundles of the weeds. We'll burn them for heat in the winter and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Do you get it? Let's look at this next one. I think it has a similar point to this story. Verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all your seeds. Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Do you get it? One more story, he says. Verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus, in Matthew 13, is in a parabolic mode. At this point in his ministry, it was all parables, all the time. All parables, all the time. And Matthew recognizes the prophetic pattern of that. Just like Asaph writing in Psalm 78 as a kind of riddle. Jesus is teaching using these many parables that both conceal and reveal the kingdom of heaven. Conceal from those outside who don't want to get it. And reveal to those inside who do. Do you get it? What do these parables reveal about the kingdom of heaven. What question are they answering? Here's my title for today's message What is really going on? What, what's, what's really going on? I think that's what Jesus is teaching in using these three enigmatic stories. What's really happening here? Because things must not be what they seem. I have a really good book by a man with a really funny name. His name is Klein Snodgrass. I am not making this up. He's written the best book I've ever read on the parables, Klein Snodgrass. I was reading his book this week, and it said that in the parable of the wheat and the weeds, the key question that Jesus is answering is, how can this be the kingdom? How can this be the kingdom? Have you ever, have you asked that question? When you look out on your world today, let me ask you, has the kingdom come? This is the kingdom? Christmas happened, right? We just sang about it about 2,000 years ago. and We're all gathering this morning and we've gussied up the church and We sung about the Prince of Peace was born, right? Well, how come there's so many wars out there? The King of Kings salvation brings. So why isn't everyone saved? There's these unsaved people popping up all over the place. Sometimes it seems like there's more. How come there's so many of them? I think, this is why I think the questions asked by the servants in verse 27 hit it on the head. Sir, d- didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? In other words, I want to be respectful here, sir, but are you sure you're doing it right? I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the weed is and what the weeds are. Symbolically, I don't have the key, but. One is obviously good, and the other is obviously bad, and an enemy has brought the bad into the good. So why not fix it? And fix it now! I mean, if the kingdom of heaven is here, why not weed out the bad stuff now? What's really going on? Is there something going on I I can't see? Yes. Yes. I think that's exactly what Jesus is teaching. That there's more going on than meets the eye with the kingdom of heaven. Things are not always as they seem. And these parables, for those who have ears to hear, tell us what's really going on. Let's let Jesus explain that first parable to us, and then I'll try to give three points of new perspective. Verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. What's really going on? We we don't get it. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. Ah, so that's Jesus. The field is the is it the church? No, it's the world. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. That's us. That's true disciples. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Those are the kingdom rejectors, And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. What is really going on? 3 points for you this morning. The kingdom has come. The kingdom has arrived. In all of 3 of these parables, the kingdom of heaven has truly begun, it might not seem like it for various reasons. For example, there might be so many weeds. Do you see all the weeds on the nightly news? You see all the weeds in your social media feeds? Do you look out on your neighborhood, on your country, or on your world, and you say, why are there so many sons of the evil one? And how come the Lord doesn't just wipe them out? Does He really know what He's doing? Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? It might seem like the field is out of His control. But it's not. Yes, he has an enemy that's at work. He says an enemy did this. There is an evil force at work in the world, sowing evil seed, trying to ruin the Lord's good work. And in many ways, he is successful. It might at times even seem like this enemy is winning. But don't you believe it? Believe instead that the kingdom has come. The good seed has been sown. Don't miss it, because it's so small. That's the point I think about that mustard seed in verse thirty-one. They, these folks knew about the mustard seed. You planted any mustard seed, Matt? No. It's mustard seed is very tiny. Okay, it was the it was the ti- not the tiniest seed that ever existed, but it's the tiniest seed that they used in Palestine. It was one just one seed was one millimeter in diameter. Okay, that's how tiny. You can't hardly see it, but it's there. Same with the leaven, right? Can you see the leaven, the yeast in in, uh, verse 33? Can you see the yeast in the dough after it gets worked in? In fact, verse 33, Jesus literally says the woman hid the yeast into like 50 pounds of dough. You're going to see the yeast? No. You don't see the yeast. It's hidden in there. But make no mistake... It's in there, right? like Prego right? It's in there. The kingdom of heaven has come. It may seem unimpressive. it may seem small and inconsequential. it may seem inauspicious to begin with. It even might seem invisible and insignificant. but don't over don't underestimate it. The kingdom of heaven has come. I mean, just, just think about Christmas, right? How small did the King of Heaven come? He came as an embryo. Conceived in the womb of a peasant girl in a backwoods nation under the oppressive thumb of Rome. We, we, we think it's... I mean, we sing about it all the time, and we have Christmas and great big holidays and celebrations, but when Christmas came, it was so small. He came in the form of a servant. He came as a nobody among nobodies. But things are not always as they seem. What's really going on? The kingdom of heaven has come. The baby born in Bethlehem is the king of kings. Number two, the kingdom is coming. The kingdom of heaven is arriving quietly. Piece by piece. The kingdom is growing. All three of these parables are parables of growth, aren't they? Verse 30. Let them grow together until harvest. Verse 32. Yet when it grows. Verse 33. The yeast worked what? All through the dough. And you know what happens to the dough when there's yeast in it, right? The kingdom is coming. Now, there is an interval between the arrival of the king and the fullness of the kingdom. And during that time, the kingdom grows. More people come under its sway. More sons of the kingdom are sown. More good things happen that show that God's kingdom is arriving. It still might not be obvious. In fact, it will not always be obvious, but it is inevitable and ongoing. I think a key application of this is to not become impatient. The harvesters wanted to pull up the weeds right away, right? They were rolling up their sleeves like, we'll get out there, we'll take care of those weeds. Just say the word. But the Lord of the harvest said, wait. Be patient. I think that too often we say to ourselves, if not aloud, if the Lord knew what he was doing, he would judge those evil people right now. If the Lord knew what He was doing, He would take care of that problem right now. But think about it. What if the Lord weeded out all the weeds while you and I were still weeds? These parables call for us to be patient, to believe, to trust that God knows what He is doing, to see the growth of the kingdom with the eyes of faith. The Lord is growing his kingdom. He really is. And he's doing it all around us and in ways we can't always see or measure. And there's great opposition to it. The weeds are growing too. Both are happening at the same time. This is how I interpret Jesus' parable the weed is growing and the weeds are growing, both at the same time. The good grows and so does the bad. At the same time, the church is growing, so is the anti-church. They coexist. And that's how it's going to be until Jesus returns. So we need to be patient and wait for it. This could go on a while. 2,000 years already. We need to keep trusting That the kingdom is coming bit by bit, day by day, person by person, disciple by disciple, family by family, church by church. It's coming. As a pastor of a local church, I take great stock in this parable. Because it doesn't always seem like the kingdom's coming. It doesn't always seem like it. But this is what's true. This is what's going on behind the scenes. In the soil, you see what's going on in the soil, Matt. Do you get to see what's going on in the soil? Yeah. Okay. Well, then it doesn't count. You you get to dig it up and take a look. Yeah, but it's secret. It's down there in the ground. We don't see that. Do you see what's going on in the dough? No, it's hidden in there. The kingdom is coming. You look at three new members for our church. And you say, "Well, that's kind of seems small. Just 3. And we just lost one." But don't underestimate what the Lord is doing with those 3. The Bible says to not despise the day of small beginnings. This is what's really going on. The kingdom of heaven is coming irresistibly, inexorably, unstoppably. It's here. It's growing. It's coming. And one day the kingdom will come. You knew what number three was going to be, didn't you? One day the kingdom of heaven is going to come in all of its fullness. It may not seem like it now, but that's what's really happening. The kingdom of heaven will most certainly come in all of its fullness and it'll be glorious. Think about what these three parables teach. The mustard seed, right? So tiny, so small. But what about when it's fully grown? It's this tiny little seed and now it's this great big tree and the birds of the air come and they are resting on one little seed and they're resting on the branches. If you could just see it now, how about the yeast? It was hidden, but what do you have now? You have enough bread for a feast. She's working a little bit of, fea- of uh, yeast into like 50 pounds of flour. Okay? That's going to be a great big feast. It, it's over the top. Jesus' storytelling is over the top to say, tiny little yeast, great big feast. It just grew and it grew, and now everybody gets fed. That's what's going to happen. And what about the wheat field? There's going to be a harvest. Which is a scary thing if you're a weed. Look at verse 39 again. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The end is most certainly coming. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. All that's going to be gone. Can you imagine a world where there's no more evil? That's what we're headed towards. They'll throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus says, make no mistake, the end is coming. Sometimes we get to thinking that this world is all that there is. Look around and we say... I guess this is as good as it gets. But there is coming a day, a judgment day, a sorting day, when everything will be made right. Justice will be done and will be seen to be done. And all those who have rejected the Lord will enter into eternal judgment, weeping and gnashing of teeth. By the way, that's Jesus saying that. Some people think that Jesus is just meek and mild. But nobody in the Bible talked about judgment more than Jesus did. Which means it's coming. Not on our timetable. Not when we want it, often impatiently now. But also don't fool yourself into thinking that it's never going to come. If you are not yet a believer and follower of Jesus, then this parable is a warning to you to repent while you still can. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The Apostle Peter said it this way in his second epistle. Some people will scoff at the notion that judgment will come like this one day. But Peter says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation to those who turn to Him. He is coming. The judgment is coming. The sorting is coming. The great weeding of the field is coming. Guaranteed. Friend, you do not want to get tossed into that furnace. Repent now before it's too late. This same Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world so that sinners like you and me don't have to spend eternity weeping and gnashing our teeth. Repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ because He's going to return someday soon. And when He does, His kingdom will come in all of its fullness. And for those who have trusted in in Jesus and have followed Jesus and have waited for Jesus and have believed in Jesus and haven't stopped working for Him, it's going to be glorious. Just look at verse 43 for a taste, a foretaste. Then, on that day, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. What an awesome sentence that verse is where John Newton got the idea for the last verse of Amazing Grace. Right there. What When we've been there 10,000 years, what? Bright, shining as the sun. We can't imagine. It's everything we've ever wanted, everything we've ever longed for, the kingdom. It's God's King ruling and reigning in His majesty over His people, over all the world, forever. His blessings will flow as far as the curse is found. As far as the curse is found, His blessings will flow. The glory of the Lord will fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's what's going on. That's really what's going on in our world. Don't believe whatever tells you differently. Don't believe your five senses or the nightly news if they tell you something different. Don't believe your friends or your enemies if they have a different narrative they're selling to you. Don't be snookered by the devil or by appearances or by your own heart. Things are not always as they seem. No, these parables tell us what's up. These parables tell us what's really going on The kingdom of heaven has come. Quietly. With little fanfare. But as surely as you know anything. They tell us that the kingdom of heaven is coming. Slowly perhaps. Bit by bit. Piece by piece. And with great opposition. There is an enemy at work. But he is losing. And he will lose. The kingdom is growing. Right under our noses. And one day. The kingdom will come in all of its fullness. So let's live right now as we truly believe that. What changes do you need to make to be ready for this kingdom? Remember what Jesus said about how to live in and for this kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount? Upside down and inside out, flourishing where you least expect it and out of your heart. That's what it means to be righteous. And the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear what is really going on.